Mook melee and his decent defense and inability to do anything with the bat significantly. Uh, the, the, this is like asking which way you want to die. <laughs> <laughs> did second in the league at 24 is he gonna be hitting him in the home run derby josh he's not <laughs> is he happy about that josh <laughs> he's definitely not and welcome to artificial turf wars episode number 64 where we've been waiting for a baseball to land on our porch since 2016 i'm your host greg wisniewski and i am joined as usual by the great Josh Housem. How you doing, Josh? Oh, I'm better since you just called me great. You're, you're, I've always thought you were great. Maybe I don't say it enough. You know, <laughs> don't want to go into your head. Uh, we have a week full of losses uh, with one little win tagged on at the end. Uh, we're going to talk about Smoke getting a nod for the All-Star Game starting lineup. Uh, a new backup catcher named uh, Montero. Uh, Marcus Stroman has a thought about the baseball that he decided to share with a reporter. Um, we're going to talk about the overall performance of the hitters. Jay Happ getting himself back on track. And then we have, of course, your usual roster shuffle notes when, when, when people come up, go down, get traded, etc., etc. We have an interview with Matt Corey. We have um, your questions. Well, of course, we have your questions. We have a do-over. And then we have the topic of uh, Angel Hernandez and his lawsuit against MLB that we might touch on. And I think that will turn us into a complete show. So let us begin with the, the brightest star in the sky, Justin Smoke. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it, how the only real obvious course for him getting into that all-star game, which changed a bit over the last week or so, was getting that starting spot. And he did. And kudos on the Jays fans for really getting out the vote because I who really in their craziest dreams would have predicted justin smoke all-star game starter i don't know how they count the votes or whether they hold votes or what but he went from seventy thousand behind to five hundred thousand votes ahead in whatever a week wow (laughs) (laughs) i didn't see that i I mean the jay's twitter account was really helping it did you know did you see the promotions they were doing uh, if you showed your max ballot tweet, like you've screenshotted your max ballot for a given day, they were often giveaways like crazy, right? Yeah. For about the last week of voting and you know, the team account is followed by a whole ton of people, all of whom are like, Hey, I can win a free thing. So <laughs> you get all these people <laughs> vo- voting for five times for Justin smoke, whether they think he deserves it or not <laughs> every day. And yeah, that, I guess that adds up. So, I, I mean, it's certainly well-deserved. Um, he he really is having both a career year and a great year for a first baseman. So, yeah, I, I, I he seems he and his wife, his wife's been tweeting about how much of an honor it is and how interesting it's been and, and how, you know, his, his routine is not going to be to go back and fish and barbecue and hang out in the woods for the <laughs> All-Star break for the first time ever. Um, so that's pretty crazy for them. Yeah, it's going to be quite the thrill, I imagine. And he's not going to do the home run derby. He said he's still going to enjoy it, but this time instead of on his couch and <laughs> watching yeah. TV, he'll be sitting right there on the field. But nope, not going to go swing. So sadly, that's the only all-star we have to talk about from the Blue Jays. It's been a few years since that happened. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that Roberto Osuna was a snub. Yeah. But but I can't think of anybody else that deserved to go. No, it has not been a banner year out of out of either the rotation or or the lineup for sure. And that's yeah, I mean that's reflected in the the team's overall results, but um Asuna certainly had better numbers than Della Batances. Several different ways of slicing it and and he is today's save uh gave him 19 in a row, which uh, speaks to his consistency. He's got what? Three walks this year? Six? Um Whatever the answer is, it's very low. Yeah. Like, do you remember any of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I actually don't think I do. He, uh, yeah, three walks. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Kyle Matt, I think it was, tweeted out, number of pitchers, relief pitchers, who are averaging 14 or fewer pitches per inning, one. Roberto Osuna. <laughs> Get in. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the makeup of the All Star roster was a little interesting for the American League. I, the last few years, especially with the whole this game this time it counts aspect of it, you've seen the teams load up with a lot of relievers. But this year, the American League is just Kimbrel, Andrew Miller, and Dylan Batances. So, well, it stopped. I don't know, didn't it? Did it? I thought Rob Manfred announced it don't count no more. No, I didn't. I must have completely missed that. I. Oh, well, I guess that's good. The one good thing Rob Manfred's done, if that's true. We may, we may, when we come back after our interview, we <laughs> we may have to report on whether I'm crazy or not. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, you've seen a lot more of these reliever-heavy rosters, and, well, this time, that's not the case. And it's a little, little unusual, and it's sad for a guy like Osuna, but... Maybe he'll get it anyway with all the starters who pitch on Sunday and then are ineligible and they get replaced in the roster. I could, I imagine he's on the short list. Well, yeah, uh, he's he's certainly uh, one of the guys who who you could easily tap to fill in a spot, right? Unless, of course, he pitches next Sunday, which is a possibility, and right? You were right. This year, the All Star game doesn't count. Okay, I, I don't know how I missed that, but thank God. Well, that that explains your odd roster construction right there. Because now they don't have to really have enough pitchers to get to the end of the whatever. Oh, they've got a lot of pitchers. They're just all starters. starters. But yeah, they, they don't have to think like the 14th or 15th inning high pressure leverage kind of thing going on. Uh, yeah, that. let's not go into all-star game history, which is a bit silly. Let's talk about Montero, uh, who immediately became a three times... The, the Blue Jays backup catcher immediately became three times the hitter that he's been all season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's quite the upgrade it's funny we get we should rescind the do-over just on this merit because it got him to the blue jays yeah he talked himself <laughs> into a completely different job but he didn't know that at the time i don't care i'm taking i, I i'm giving it he, he's earned his do-over by talking his way onto the blue jays <laughs> so his obp if i read that correctly with with uh the cubs this year was 366 that's right yeah with a 439 slugging he's a good hitter so, do we really care that he can't throw anybody out? I mean, Russell Martin hasn't been able to throw anybody out. We haven't minded him at all, have we? Well, I think we have bemoaned his lack of throwing people out a few times. But mm. yeah, this, I mean, he shouldn't be the, the starter. That's true. Yeah, the the Jays have to have the worst throwing tandem in the league now. <laughs> uh, Luke Melee was on his way towards history. There was an article at Bluebird Banter that that put his season. 
various comparisons with uh, weighted runs created plus uh, in the negatives, of course. So that's that's basically broken the metric for how b- far below average he's been. And and I mean, you you couldn't find more than a handful of seasons going back into the like 1920s that were as bad as what he had with as many plate appearances as he was going to get. And then they traded for him, so now he doesn't meet any of those you know 150 or 100 plate appearance qualifiers. Thankfully. Yeah, he was a special kind of bad. <laughs> good, very good defensively, which we've talked about before, but I didn't realize that I'd ever find a catcher for whom Josh Tolley would be a <laughs> dramatic upgrade. I was just going to ask, so what was worse, Josh Tolley's left-handedness and inability to do anything other than catch the knuckleball defensively, or Luke Melee and his decent defense and inability to do anything with the bat significantly? Uh, the, the, this is like asking which way you want to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there's a line for the future. <laughs> well, okay, I want to ask you which way you want to die. What is Montero's uh, weakness? Other than obviously he was having trouble throwing runners out, which is, is not something he's had his whole career. Uh, staying silent? Um... <laughs> <laughs> You're not um, very he's... nice. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean he's a decent receiver he used to be actually quite good i mean this year he's about average but the last couple of years he's been above average he's actually a very good catcher he just doesn't throw very well anymore because he's injuries have sort of taken a toll it's funny he like martin used to be a league leading guy when it came to caught stealings and isn't anymore um swings from the left side not as great against lefties but i mean as far as weaknesses, you're not going to find a better backup catcher in the league than Miguel Montero. So I, the, the fact that he hits from the left as well means you could maybe play a little more of a straighter platoon if if Russell's hurt or struggling or you know needs a day here and there. You can you can line that up better than you could with say Tolle in years past or or anything else. So hey, it, it it's an interesting pickup in a weird circumstance. So I'm all for it, and it costs them nothing. Also that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the important part here. Given the state of the record, you know, it's the idea of making ads. If you're not giving anything, makes sense. If you're, you know, paying in prospect specs or anything else, it's not really the right tag. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I read that as Miguel Montero and cash considerations for a player to be named later or cash considerations. <laughs> that is what it was. We'll now, give you a player and money for money. Why not just give less money? I don't know how that works. Is it not a trade then? Is it you can't just hand someone off something? You can't just say, oh, that's you're pretty happy. much it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Miguel Montero for one bag of baseball. <laughs> uh, he certainly anyway. worth more than that. Okay. Stroman. Stroman got the conspiracy theorist going because he had a blister and he didn't like his blister because he's never had a blister. And his conclusion was that baseball gave him a blister. Yes. That is it. Yes. How did the baseball give him a blister, Josh? Well, we actually talked about this with, uh, with Ben Lindbergh. Well, I guess I did. You weren't around for that one, but you know, the idea is basically that with these potentially smaller seams that the pitchers have to grip the ball a little harder to get the same spin and that it's cutting up their fingers or, or putting pressure on the fingers that they're not used to having, which is, you know, there, there are more blisters across the baseball this year. And, you know, 
other pitchers have confirmed that the ball feels a little different. So it's not just Stroman. Stroman's just the first guy to blame baseball for the injury specifically. So I saw Ron Darling on Twitter uh, just very briefly, just before we came on, actually. I didn't have a chance to mention it to you. He was talking about when he used to hold the baseball, he would lean his finger basically against the seam when he was throwing a curveball. He'd put the pressure off to the side of his finger, and he'd have a callus on the side of his finger from that. But without the seam being high enough to lean on, your, he says you, your finger pressure would shift to the flat part of your finger, and now you've got a a much wider area that's exposed to the ball. That's his theory. I'm not saying it's true. I just thought it was interesting. Well, it does make sense. And it just all goes to the same concept, though, that you have to grip the ball differently with the different seams and therefore it affects your fingers in a negative way. So I think there's probably some truth to what Stroman is saying. Although, you know, I, the idea that it's like, baseball is like some conspiracy kind of thing. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's like we want our pitchers to be injured. No, no. <laughs> it's just the way the baseballs are right now. And yeah, again, and I, think that I, I think whatever has happened with the baseball, um, obviously I, something has gone on, but I don't think Major League Baseball had a clear intent when they did that per se. If, if they were aware that was something was changing, I think maybe they thought, oh, this will increase a little bit more offense or maybe something minor. But I think the law of sort of unintended consequences here has kicked in. And, uh, you know, maybe the balance of, of things has shifted more than they thought it might. And there's really nothing you can do in the middle of a season to, quote unquote, fix that, right? The balls have already, for the most part, been manufactured. Well, that, that, that last bit is not actually true. They get new shipments of baseballs every month. and no, they're probably constantly making them. I'm sure that they could do something about it, but I don't, there's no real incentive, them, incentive for them to do it. Baseball loves the home runs. Mm -hmm. I would love to see how, how one instructs one to change a ball recipe. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the, the guidelines for the baseball are so wide that they can do a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and still, it's a regulation baseball. Yeah. Uh, any other conspiracy theory thoughts there? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Uh, the Illuminati. The Illuminati have they like home runs too? Um, so despite... <laughs> no, they just don't like Marcus Stroman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did not know Gideon was Illuminati. Um, Actually, no. The real truth is just you can only have one member of the Strochez, former Strochez duo active at the same time, <laughs> and we know Sanchez is almost back. Um. He is scheduled to start for the Jays, right? Yeah, this weekend against Houston. They haven't yeah, said which game yet. Cool. Um, we did, of course, have, uh, with the smoke going to the All-Star game and everything else, we were talking about hitters, and, and there really isn't anyone else even on the chart as an All-Star. Um, and I believe it was Matt Atomic uh, on Twitter mentioned that all of the hitters on the Blue Jays, save Smoke and Ezekiel Carrera, are underperforming their zips projections for the season. All of them. Uh, even weirder is, I don't know if everybody here looks at zips projections, but every time I look at a zips projection, I think, man, that's, that's unkind. <laughs> like, Yeah, projection systems in general are conservative. I mean, they, they try not to go too high because it's just, it's the safer bet to bet on a little bit of regression. And the Jays have just been like, a little bit. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it explains, but it doesn't explain. It explains the results, but it doesn't explain why all of these hitters would underperform in the same year over, over quite an extended number of plate appearances now. Yeah, and there's some that are really baffling. Like Josh Johnson, when he first came off the DL, he was looking great. I, I think we talked about this. He's saying, oh, he wasn't there yet. We need homeward five times in a week or something like that. Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe he, he right. should have stuck with whatever he was doing then because you know, over his last 18 games, what would you guess his OPS is? You know, a nice simple uh, one. 400? 429. That was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is arbitrary endpoints. I'm picking the last, the first game since his last good one. But in those 18 games, he's hitting 123 with a 260 on base and a 169 slugging. What is going? Okay, you don't have that answer. Um, he has eight home runs on the year, and we're headed to the All Star break. Despite the injury, like seriously, what is? What do you do? I mean, what do you do when uh, Troy Tulowitzki is grounded into more double plays than he has home runs? Yeah. But it's, there's no real answer to this. I just hope that eventually it gets better is, I think, the only thing you can do. I mean, yeah, it's, Johnson only has 173 plate appearances, but eight home runs is well off his normal pace. Yeah. Especially in the stadium he's playing in. He's, he's below, I think, his Oakland pace. Yeah, it's uh, it's not so good. So other than uh, Blister Stroman, uh, we did have Jay Happ start in the only victory we can talk about. And we'll talk about the Boston series coming up with uh, Matt Corey. So we won't go into the great detail about that now. But Jay Happ looked pretty sharp. Again. I mean, Jay Happ, since the beginning of the month, really, that, that shaky start against Oakland where... He did not get a lot of help from the defense. <laughs> the, the, oh, man, the outfield defense in that entire series was just just awful. But he also gave up the, I think it was him who gave up the two home runs to Ryan Healy. But since then, he's been lights out. I mean, he has three wins, and the one loss he has, they scored, he gave up two runs in six and a third and got a loss because the Jays got shut out by Ubaldo Jimenez. That's a great sentence right there. Um, yeah. So... The Blue Jays keep showing that the ingredients that got them to the wild card last year should still be there. And yet, they aren't. It's so weird. Yeah. Now, it's kind of funny, too, because going into this season, if you were going to pick one pitcher who was likely to have the most negative regression, I mean, you know, Stroman was a very strong positive regression candidate, but it was probably Hap, right? Yeah, because he's, he's older. He had the very best season of his career. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I would, I would pick Hap for the, the slide backwards. And then here he is sitting with a 347 ERA in 10 starts with 57 strikeouts in 57 innings. I mean, he's been really very, very good again. And only that uh, time on the DL has kind of chipped into his season. So yeah. Yay Hap. Um, other <laughs> Other notes, because Hap. We've, we've seen some people come and go. We saw Jason Gurley DFA'd last week. Did we have a chance to talk about Gurley being DFA'd, or is that the whole thing gone down in the meantime? You know what? I don't remember. <laughs> I think we did talk about it. but I think we did, yeah. But hey, the Texas Rangers missing the stylings of Sam Dyson and his complete implosion over and over and over again thought, hey, 
Let's give Jason Grilly a run. <laughs> well, and then, and then you just see his first game there. He did close an inning out, did he not? Yeah, came in up two runs against Boston and got two strikeouts and got out of the inning and did his, you know, his typical screaming, let's go, and the fist pumps, which, did, how does that play in Boston? Just, I mean, in did, Texas. Did Odor punch him as he came in the dugout? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that will never get old. Oh, it's so weird. It's like you took the most demonstrative guy and put him on a team that claims that that's the worst thing ever. I don't know. But they have Carlos Gomez. I mean, it's not like they don't have guys like that already. I, I, I don't know. That, that, that whole thing is just an exercise in being upset that you got beat and nothing more. So uh, did the Jays get something for Jason Grilly? Maybe. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, they got a guy who's 22 and in high A. Gets on base reasonably well. He's, I mean, this year in high A, he's hitting 306 with a 356 on base and a 439 slugging. But like I said, he's 22, so he's not young. And the, the Carolina League is not the same as the Florida State League. So he has the potential to maybe be an outfielder who makes the big leagues, which is a lot more than I thought anybody would get for Jason Grilly. So it's hard to complain. Uh, which is cool. Uh, Mike Bolsinger got called back up during this shuffle, and uh, in his first appearance, he cleaned up a mess that Brian Tapera made. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we won't go into great depth, but congratulations on getting the outs there, Mike. Uh, you made us feel pretty good uh, to finish off, well, the out to finish off the inning. Dalton Pompey, from his fifth, sixth injury this year, has returned to AAA with his knees and big toe intact apparently yeah he's hitting well ish i mean in those two games he's played since coming back oh uh, uh, i mean we'll take it but it's just he just got has to stay on the field he very much could be an answer maybe not the answer but an answer to the left field problems this team has seen and so just stay healthy and maybe he'll be someone who can help down the stretch or just play down the stretch for a team that's no longer fighting <laughs> Uh, and um, in Lansing, Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. are still there and are still raking. Uh, if it so happens that you are close to Lansing and we're thinking of going, I would go in the next week or two. Or you're, I can't see these guys staying there all season long. I, I mean, at least Bo Bichette. I could understand a bit more with Guerrero just simply because he's only 18 and it's just, well, let him go destroy the league for a season and then move up. I mean, Boba Shed's hitting, what, 396, 398? <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, and it's, he, he's, he's had an O for five times all year, and every time after an O for, he's followed with a multi-hit game, and he did it again the day before yesterday. That's so, correct. Yeah. There's just ridiculous. nothing left for him to prove there. So, yeah, uh, that, I think, covers all the, the news that was fit to print this week in Blue Jays land. Uh, and now we're going to get into a really exciting discussion about how great the Boston Red Sox were when they came into Toronto. We're gonna this do is that. the Sadism Podcast. <laughs> we're going to do that with Matt Corey. We'll be right back. happy to be joined once again by Mr. Matthew Corey from Baseball Prospectus, a uh, good friend of the show. Matt, welcome back. Thank you. Always good to be on. Hi, Greg started this with a lie, saying we're happy about this. I am always <laughs> happy when Matt joins us. 
That is the 100%. So that's fine. We're happy that Matt's here, just not the way he's here. <laughs> so we lined you up for this interview not knowing uh, before the week, before the, even the first pitch was thrown, I believe, I asked you if you'd like to come on and do a post-mortem, not knowing how much uh, mortemness would be on our side of the equation. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so wasn't ready for you guys. That's that's definitely true. So I guess we should just sort of go over, you know, your perspective on the opposite side of each of those games, since you are a Red Sox, you know, somewhat authority and a, certainly a big Red Sox fan. Um, I'd like to start by, I guess, congratulating you on being part of Blue Jays history, uh, being the team that the Blue Jays walked 14 times for the first time ever in their history. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Wow. Um, Estrada, I, it, it's so weird too, because of all the guys that you would think would, uh, you know, that that might happen to that. He might just lose his command that badly. You wouldn't think it would be Estrada. He would be way down the list, but, uh, baseball is a weird game, right? Um, yeah, that was, that was just a, a particular, and, you know, the Red Sox didn't uh, cover themselves in glory that game either. It, <laughs> I mean, that was just a, a tremendous uh, walkathon all around. So, um, pretty pretty brutal game. I don't, I don't have a tremendous, uh, great insight into it. I mean, it just looked like you know Estrada just had no command of any of his pitches. A lot of them were, <clears throat> excuse me, were um, just non-competitive uh, pitches. I mean, he he'd go two and zero, and you think, okay, here comes a pitch down the pipe, and it would be three feet outside. So. Yeah, what do you I am I am curious because obviously as the being on the losing or the delivering end, however you want to put it, of fourteen walks, uh, that's a horrible game to watch. Uh, is it actually enjoyable at all to be on the other end of a walkathon? It's a lot more enjoyable. Um, it it's not like you know today Sunday's game was a lot more fun to watch. <laughs> um, I mean the Red Sox weren't hitting that game. I I forget how many. I don't have the game in front of me, the, um, but you know, for a long time, they had very few hits. They just had a billion walks. And it, it wasn't like they were being so incredibly selective. A lot of the pitches were just, I mean, it was like watching a bad high school game in some, in some respects. <laughs> so, um, you know, you always want your team to, you know, to be the one that comes out, you know, with, with more runs at the end of the day. Uh, but it's, I wouldn't call that enjoyable baseball. I mean, um, you know, it, it was a little bit maybe like watching, uh, you know, vintage New Jersey Devils hockey or something. Uh, With it, the neutral zone worked. trap? Yeah, it, it <laughs> works, but still, yuck. Um, yeah, so. Um, sorry. Um, so then, of course, there was that bases loaded with nobody out situation that he ready to wriggle off the hook. And I thought, well, maybe... This will spur him to get his stuff together, and we can, you know, we can move forward from here. And it only got worse. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just didn't. Uh, it, it was just not good. I mean, Estrada is such a weird guy too because he, he was not ever really great until he came to the Blue Jays. You know, I mean, he was, he was putting up, you know. Well, I guess he had one three and a half win season with the Brewers in 2012. But before that, he'd never, other than that, in one, two, three, four, five, six, something like six years, he'd never been above uh, two wins. Um, and in 2014 with the Brewers, he was downright bad. And then he shows up 
um, with the Blue Jays, and all of a sudden he's incredibly good. So, um, and you know, oddly, his uh, his strikeouts are up this year, way uh, up. Yeah, and and even with that, uh, I assume these stats that I'm looking at now are updated. Even with the uh, walkathon, he's he's still at a lower walk rate this year than he was last year. Yeah, the biggest thing on actually has just been he's been giving up way more hits than he's used to giving up. His batting average on balls and play is right around 300, which sounds normal, but he's been a guy that's typically been the extreme pop-up guy and his batting average on balls and plays down 250 or lower, and that just hasn't been happening this year. They have not been popping the ball up at all, which is kind of unusual. Yeah, he was running BABIPs in the low 200s for the uh, yep. first two years in Toronto, 216, 234. I mean, we always, you know, in the statistical community, we love to throw around the word unsustainable. And, you know, in, in, a, in a sense that that was unsustainable, but it was probably more unsustainable because um, it's just hard to pitch that well, you know, for an extended period of time or pitch that way even for, the, for such an extended period of time. And, and yet he managed to do it, um, you know, so hats off to him. I mean, I don't think the Blue Jays defense is doing him any favors this year either. Oh, God, no. Oh no! <laughs> no. to look at too. Um, I mean, if you look at Fangraphs, they already have him at 1.7 wins this year. So I'm assuming, you know, I'm <clears throat> excuse me, I'm I'm assuming that that is a large a large part of that is you know uh, shrug emoji because of the uh, the Blue Jays defense. So. Yeah. We do, we'll move away from Estrada because Josh has written the equivalent of a small book on all the things he did right, and I'm sure he'll be forced to write something about what's going on. Oh, it's coming. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, game two is the Blue Jays versus Chris Sale, who is, frankly, awesome uh, and was a wonderful pickup in the left-handed department, unlike, say, I don't know, David Price. Um, <laughs> hey, we got to dig in. Yes! <laughs> bring it guys bring it um there aren't many digs really like uh but you basically with the blue jays not hitting any left-hander well i think you most informed fans take the l as soon as they see chris sale coming up and lo and behold the blue jays took the l so just just before you respond there matt i was at this game for some reason i decided hey i'll, I'll actually keep my canada day tickets instead of selling them yeah, that was mistake number one. But so we go in there. I'm with my friends like, OK, you know, maybe the Jays can get through this, get a couple innings and maybe the crowd helps up immediately two nothing. And then four nothing. the crowd was dead silent by the top of the second inning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could you could hear it. Um, and in fact, uh, the Red Sox broadcast, I, I don't think they were trying to be malicious, but it, it definitely came off that way. But there was a you know, a large discussion of how the people at the ballpark were quiet, you know, <laughs> and I, in my head, I'm going, well, I mean, I wouldn't be making a lot of noise either. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to Blue Jays to be cheering about. I mean, as soon as you give up two runs, you know, and Chris sales on the mound and the Blue Jays yeah. offense is on the plate. Yeah. Yeah, well, that too, right. So, I mean... They might no. as well be on the plate at this point because then sometimes <laughs> they would get hit and... Well, Chris Hill did that anyway. Uh, but just a note, they they started doing this at the at the Dome. I don't know if they do this in Fenway or anything else. 
every time there's a ball in play, they show the exit velocity or even foul balls too. They showed the exit velocity of the ball off Russell Martin's helmet. <laughs> <laughs> 69 miles an hour. Nice. Uh, <laughs> ah! Set him up. Do we even have to set up the people who talk about the Red Sox for, for the better lines? Uh, uh, I, I, you know, we're, I've been gradually growing more disillusioned with this team, but this weekend has not helped. Um, so we move on to Sunday, where you think the, the Blue Jays might be embarrassed into doing something right. <laughs> well, if you just cut off that sentence halfway through, you'd be accurate. Uh, so I heard the Mookie Betts show was really interesting. I was working, but um, was he four yeah, or five? Uh, was that? Yeah, with two home runs, What one of which would have been a single in Fenway, by the way. I mean, I don't think he got any more than 15 feet off the ground, went over the, the left field wall, you know, right by the foul pole. Um, and Mookie's had a couple of those at Fenway this year, at least a couple, you know, these just sort of screaming line drives, they bounce off the monster are played cleanly by the left fielder and, and Mookie just, you know, takes a wide turn at first. So it's nice to see one of those, uh, go out and be rewarded for that. But yeah, you know, he's, he's really good. And, you know, the guys that, uh, that he was facing are not <laughs> via Gene. Biagini's a fine fifth starter. Um, I think the other guy he hit a home run off of the the line drive home run that I was just talking about. I think that was off of Sparkman, who's you know d- debatably even a major leaguer. Um, the, not to take anything away from Betts, but those are uh, those are guys he should be hitting. Um, and you know he's it, it sort of feels like uh, he hasn't had this big hot streak that he had last year that that sort of propelled him towards the MVP um you know last season and he um it's nice to see him start to get hot the other thing uh for the Red Sox not that this is what you guys want to hear about but um oh, is go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the fans have already turned this off um so that's it, everybody listening <laughs> right so yeah, it's just us chatting. There's no one, no one listening to this at all. And then, as it turns out, you're listening to the podcast, so you're literally the only person listening to yourself talk at this point, Matt. Hi, me. Hi. <laughs> uh, Hanley Ramirez, uh, who has been not great this year, hasn't been able to play first base because of shoulder issues, and hasn't really hit like someone who is making the money he's making and isn't playing the field. Um, he's really sort of tied up their roster in a number of ways. And um, so it's good to see him start to start to really hit the ball with some authority. Uh, that's, that, that's a big thing going forward. I think for the, for the Red Sox, if, if they're going to uh, going to contend, I was going to say going to contend, but they're already contending. I mean, you know, if, if they're going to be one of the better teams in the league, if they're going to have a, you know, make a run at the world series, I, I, I think that's, that's a, uh, that's a big important aspect of their roster. The, the weird thing about the Red Sox is they don't hit home runs. So, I mean, they do hit a few, but the, you know, very infrequently compared to other teams, especially, you know, listeners of this podcast know based on your conversation with Ben Lindbergh uh, recently that, you know, the home, home runs are way up. The ball is jumping off bats and that just hasn't been the case for the Red Sox this year. They haven't been hitting a lot of home runs. I think they're last in the American league in home runs. Um, so, 
they they could use a few more of those. <laughs> and no, no more. No. <laughs> their designated hitter is a, is you know a good candidate to uh, to to get a few of those. So that's uh, that's a good thing for the Red Sox. And what I'm wondering when you're watching this, obviously, like you said, Betts didn't have those hot streaks, and he was very good the last few games. I think he walked on 12 pitches his first three plate appearances on Canada Day, and then you got Hanley hitting the home run and going three for five. Had a couple hits on the Canada game as well. Is that hey these guys are turning around, or hey these guys are facing this team that is spiraling? I mean, I mean, do you really look at it and say great sign, or is it good sign but with a grain of salt? No, I think it's a great sign. I I think that. Well, first of all, you know, when you're following one team, you, you don't really get a sense of the spiral that another team is going through. Uh, so there's there's definitely that. But we've also seen, you know, Red Sox fans and I'm sure Blue Jays fans have have seen uh, their team, you know, look woeful in the face of mediocre pitching. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> I'm going to be particularly <laughs> mean about this. Uh, Ubaldo Jimenez just recently shut you guys down. So. Uh, you know, these, these things happen. You face bad pitchers who either have a particularly good day or your lineup just has an off day or some combination thereof. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint exactly who gets the blame and, uh, who gets the credit. But, you know, when you're, when you're facing a team that is not playing well, you know, I think it's a, it's a, uh, it's a credit to your team when you're, when you're able to, you know, to, to beat up on them a little bit. Um, and that's, that's what the Red Sox surely did. And, and that's, that's what they needed to do. I mean, they, they picked up what, I think three or four games over the last like three or four days against the Yankees and now have a three game lead in the American league East. So that's uh, that's a successful weekend. I, I like to say that if your pitcher has an ERA over or around six, uh, the blue Jays are here to help. I knew you were going to drop that. <laughs> That's three times this year they've helped out a guy with an ERA who is just ridiculously bad. If you guys well, wouldn't mind uh, beating up on the Yankees a little bit now, uh, you can turn it back on. Uh, well, they have to throw good. They have to throw decent, but not great or really bad pitchers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I think they can do that. Severino just pitched today, so I don't think you have to face him. Yay! Okay, maybe we'll get Yay. Michael Pineda again. Yeah. So can we talk more about Chris Sale? Because oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we we can do that. For, no, we can talk about whatever you guys want. I mean, we already no, discussed, no one's listening. No. It's fine. So I, I actually am curious on your perspective on this. So from where I was sitting, I couldn't really see how good he was and versus how bad the Blue Jays were. Was it actually that dominant, the same that kind of performance, or was it a lot of the Jays getting themselves out? Because from where I was, it looked like there were a few times they were just missing some middle middle pitches. Well, so I, I, re, I retweeted, I wish I remembered uh, who to credit for this, so I apologize. Um, I retweeted someone who had put together um, a, a gif of oh. one of a gif <laughs> of, of his slider and his fastball. Jeff Sullivan would kill me if I said the other one. Um, yes, exactly. And you can see that, you know, the, the arm motion and the release point are exactly the same. And the ball just comes out of his hand almost exactly the same, and then does something different after that. So how you get a handle from a batter's standpoint, how you have any idea which pitch is going to be, you know, coming at you, uh, I, I have no idea. So, you know, I guess the answer to your question is, I think when, when Chris Sale is, is really on, there's just not a whole lot you can do about it. I, you know, I guess that I would say this also, Justin Smoke didn't seem to have too much of a problem. Um, <laughs> and 
On the other side of things, uh, Kevin Pillar had a tremendous problem. I think he he swung and missed at a couple pitches that were just he missed them by literally two feet. Um, and you know, you you kind of feel like the Red Sox could have put anybody out there, and and he might have not looked good against them. And you know, similarly. I was kind of hoping that we would have got to see, you know, Craig Kimbrell against uh, against Smoke because it looks like I mean Smoke is hitting everything. It's bizarre. <laughs> um, Welcome to the 2017 Blue Jay season. <laughs> up is down, down is up, and left is right. He has stolen the mojo from the entire rest of the team, and he's consolidated it in like a jar in his locker, and he's just like going in there and you know in between innings and taking a little bit out. Um, I don't know what any of that meant, but. Uh, it, he's he's very impressive, and uh, I don't know if you've seen Kimbrel's uh, strikeout percentage. It, it is. It, does anyone care to guess what his strikeout percentage is? Thirty-two percent. Thirty-two percent. Okay. What else? What else we got? Sixty. Sixty. <laughs> he's closer than you are. It's fifty point eight. <laughs> On the season. Uh huh. <laughs> he struck out over half the batters he's faced. Yes. <sighs> According to Fangraphs, yes. Holy yeah. crap. And you yeah. thought Osuna so, was good. <laughs> and you were not liking that trade. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I'm not a general manager. And, I, I, you know, long term, I, I still don't know. Uh, that's, that's a lot of talent to give up for one guy. That said, Chris Sale has, has been worth five wins by Fangraph's war so far. So that's, uh, that's a lot. Me. Yeah, it's a lot in a half a season. Um, so hey, I'm I'm quite fine with him continuing to make me look stupid. Um, I'll I'll take the, I'll take the rest of the season off from doing that and let him do it for me. Um, so I'd like to review the once again we I always bring this up uh, the Red Sox first place last place oscillations. Uh, did, did they yeah. finish finish first last year? They yes. did. So they're gonna. Is this the first time they finished first potentially twice in a row where it looks like that's even gonna happen? Since, yeah, I mean, <laughs> since like 2011 or 2010, I'm mean, back when Kevin Euclid was in his prime. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I think the Red Sox have made the playoffs like two times in five years. They oh. just happened to win the World Series in 2013. So everybody thinks, oh, it's the old same old Red Sox just dominating like usual, but it's really not been the case. Um, so, yeah, you guys have gotten uh, further in the. Uh, well, since 2013 in the playoffs than the Red Sox have, you've made the playoffs more often too. It doesn't feel like that right now. Um, so the, and, and <laughs> I've been there and recently. So, <laughs> so lastly, I guess, unless Josh has a follow, which I will allow, obviously, um, you're looking at a team that feel the, the whole bunch of players under 26 today. And the Blue Jays didn't field anybody under 28. And the 28 year old was Kevin Pillar. So yeah. in the long run, if, if you were in my chair, would you be selling pieces like crazy to try and get younger as the Blue Jays? Or would you just be looking at trying to get rid of some of those oldest bits and, and hopefully make another run at it? That's a good question. I, I think it depends on what you can get, you know, for it, what, what the team's budget is, which, which I don't know off the top of my head. Um, you know, these, these pieces all fit together in, in, in a puzzle in some way. Uh, that said, so many teams are close to the wild card that I think if you are selling, I think that you're going to get some good value for the for the players you're selling. So 
I think there is definitely some maybe added in incentive to to go in that direction, uh, at least from from that standpoint. I mean, there's you know, there's a you know, ad revenue from television and, you know, uh, ticket sales and all this other stuff to, you know, that has to be considered, you know, when you, when you start waving the white flag in the middle of the season. Um, but, you know, as a purely, from a purely baseball standpoint, you know, it certainly does seem like if the, if the Blue Jays can, can punt this year without really destroying you know, whatever youth, like, you know, you're not going to get rid of Marcus Stroman. Obviously Aaron Sanchez isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, you're going to start. Yeah. Right. So, well, I mean, heck, if someone's going to, I guess that's another topic, but I, I, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, look what the Red Sox gave up for Kimball. Right. That's the big argument for trading. I think we had a conversation about this on Twitter. You and I with Jonah Carey. Oh, that that's probably true. Um, I, I vaguely recall that. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, if, if you can get a big haul for a reliever, I'm kind of all for it. Um, but you know, I mean, are the red, I mean, are, are the blue Jays going to be able to resign Josh Donaldson? Do they really want to, you know, put that kind of money down long-term on him? Maybe, but if not, I think it doesn't hurt to see what you can get for him. Now that doesn't mean you have to deal him. You don't. You can trade him in the off season. That might be a uh, a better uh, better time to do it. But you know, looking around now, and maybe you get a great offer that um, that you can't turn down. So, I mean, yeah, I think if I were the Blue Jays, I might I might start talking to other GMs about you know, what interest they have in our uh, you know in, in my players and and what uh, what they might be willing to give me for them. I know that's not a funny answer on July 2nd, so I apologize, but. <laughs> well, you heard it here first from Matthew Corey. The Blue Jays are in cell mode. <laughs> well, <laughs> I did, no, I'm not going to hold you to that. <laughs> no, but I, I want to say that, you know, there is, there's the other side to this, this coin too. And, and the Blue Jays have, are, you know, are probably the, the prime example of this a couple years ago when they went out and got Tulowitzki and David Price in the middle of the year, despite having, I think, a losing record at the time, you know, maybe by one or two games. One game under 500. Although the, di the big difference there yeah, at the time, right. all the underlying metrics showed that they were playing well below their skill. Like their, exactly. their, their run differential was like plus 100 and they had a losing record. Right. Right. So, yeah, it makes a lot made a lot more sense to go all in on that team than it does on this one, um, for sure. But uh, I'm just saying that it's not, uh, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you know, how far are they out of the wild card now? I don't even know. But four and a half. OK, see, yeah, that's there's a lot of teams to jump over. I mean, that, that's that's kind of the thing about that is that that's sort of a. Uh, um, what's the word? It, it's a hurdle, it's a not a sprint. <laughs> it's, a, well, it's a deceiving number, right? Because four and a half games is not much. Um, but seven but, teams ahead of you. <laughs> exactly right. And that's the real problem right there. Um, I mean, they could be two and a half games out. But if there's nine teams in between you and that space that you want to get to, that's a lot less uh, you know, attainable um, than just the two and a half games. So, yeah, anyway. Happy right, time. Folks. Well, you know him from his work at uh, Breitbart, CNN, Fox News, and Fangraphs. Possibly some just, of those I just, just made up. 
before you said that, and I almost spat it all over my computer. And I'm glad I didn't because it would have been your fault. Um, uh, but mostly, you know, I'm from Twitter at MaddieMaddie2000, where you can go back and look at that conversation about the value of Roberto Osuna, apparently, um, as a trade chip. <laughs> Thank you once again for joining us, Matt. Thanks again for having me, guys. Hopefully uh, I haven't burned my bridges here. Never, never. Have a good night. You too. And while I'm, I'm always happy to talk to Matt, but I'm, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we booked that ahead of time. And then, oh, I mean, we probably could have seen that coming, but not that bad. <laughs> Uh, dignity. I remember that. <laughs> I remember having that and everything. Uh, well, I think we should just go straight to the questions. Time All right, let's do it. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Okay. Basically, we, 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 have a, we have a theme this week, I think is really what we're saying here. <laughs> No. The theme is the sky is falling. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to start with uh, baseball her? Sure. She asked, did you think they would win today? Be honest. This is, uh, of course, Tuesday. They played the Yankees on the 4th of July game. Did you think they would win today, Josh? Um, I, If they were going to win one, this was the one I thought they would win. But no, this is in response, by the way, to a, a poll that was put out by the, tur the TurfBot account. The, the choices were, do you think they'll actually will be able to talk about a win? And there was, it was yep or lol. And the LOL cleaned up 86%. <laughs> uh, and I, I can't lie here because I actually answered the poll with LOL. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would bet against it. Yeah. So congratulations, Blue Jays. Uh, all those people would have lost money had had they actually bet on the game. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the theme from Brendan at RNSWTH Stem Cells. If they do blow it up, is JD hurting his value by being banged up pretty much since the beginning of September? Josh. Not much. I don't think so. He's still Josh Donaldson. I, I, th I think anybody's going to trade a substantial amount for him. And just for based on what we heard about the offers for Andrew McCutcheon last year I mean, in the offseason, people are still willing to pay heavily for recent starts. All right. Um, he's not. I, I would say he's not helping his value. Uh, no. But yeah. He's, there, he's you, still it, worth something. Yeah, it might, might be a tiny bit diminished, but not enough to matter. Uh, Willie Mays Hayes at Lou Brown 34. Guys, I'm done. Blow it up. Do a Leafs rebuild. Hire Babs, Lou, and Shanny. Maybe we just put the Leafs roster out there for a night. Who cares? All right. Now, I got to tell you, Willie, uh, we might not be able to read any more of your tweets if you keep talking about hockey so much. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really comfortable with that topic around here. We're sort of... Sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know if William Ace Hayes even watches hockey. <laughs> I well, maybe it's Lou Brown watching hockey. Regardless, uh, yeah. Well, that's that's how a lot of people are feeling right now. So that's why I read it. Uh, I'll let you read one. 
<laughs> well, there's two of them reading, reading together. This is from Chris Thomas at Beach Chips. They want to keep Stroman, Osuna, and Sanchez, right? <laughs> and then David Lopez at D Lopez 1078. Any sense in trading Stroman, Sanchez, etc. when Tulo and Martin are signed to long-term contracts? Shouldn't they go as well in that case? I'm having trouble following David's reasoning there. Basically, he's saying, if you're going to trade Stroman and Sanchez, shouldn't you trade Tulowitzki and Martin? Well, you, you okay. The, the thing about trading all of those guys, first of all, do I think that they are trying to keep Stroman, Osuna, and Sanchez? Yes, absolutely I do, because they're all young, and they're all still controllable for multiple years, and this team does have payroll concerns, as we've seen. So they're, they're not just going to... And age concerns. <laughs> yeah, and serious age concerns, and these are some of their youngest players. Um, so no, I don't think they're interested in trading them. If you were to trade them, I don't think it has anything to do with whether you trade Tulo and Martin. I think it has to do with what you can get back for Tulo and Martin, because you're not trying to do a salary dump with them at the moment to get them out of the way for somebody younger. If it comes to that point, well, then you'd, if it's, if it's Bo Bichette time, then great. It's Bo Bichette time and you get rid of Tulo for whatever you can possibly get for him and, and you free up the spot. But in the meantime, nobody's going to take him without you paying the freight. Yeah, I mean, especially Tulisky right now. He has no trade value, negative trade value, really, I'd argue. But, you know, it's the, the basic thought here is that the rebuild, there's no sense in really going hard rebuild just because you are stuck with Tulisky, Martin, et cetera, eating up these large chunks of payroll and roster spots. So you may as well try to retool and hope that they re recover some of their talent because, it, you know, it's not like you can just go you know, make, make a blow up trade and then try to go big in free agency in two years. Cause you won't be able to do that. No, you can't go to the shortstop store, pick one out. It's yeah. Very limited room to play with there with quality players being available free agents, especially, but in trade as well. Like it's, it's not easy. It's amazing that they got too low when we thought he was going to be better than average, shall we say? Um, the fact that he hasn't been is just unfortunate. Uh, hmm. Next. We got, yeah, Go one that's not on the same levels. Will Martin see much, and then brackets any, time at second base with Montero in the fold? Seems to be worth the upgrade over Goins and Barney. If I had not looked at this tweet, I could have told you exactly who asked this. <laughs> this is a drum being banged by Alex Hume at ahume92. Incessantly. He was not the first person to suggest this, by the way. No, but he's he's got it like a dog with a bone. <laughs> um, I, I could see it happening at least one or two games. Only yeah, because I'm. I'm you know, go ahead. No, I'm just I'm just going to agree with that. You know, we've already seen it happen a few times where they rest him in the <laughs> infield just because you know they the infield sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Before he was playing, so they didn't have to play Barney at third or Chris Coglin or whomever. I could see him getting, like you said, a game or two, but it's not going to be a regular thing. So Gideon asked a, one of his front office sources, and the response he got back was LOL. <laughs> uh, maybe the sources were actually responding to our poll about whether the Jays would win or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's. 
There's no reason to think Russell Martin is actually a good infielder. He's just a better bat than what's out there. Well, which if he's even a competent infielder, <laughs> it's not the stupidest thing, but it is not happening. All right. Connor Moore at the Seahound also asks, not a total rebuild question. Which year's Jays team is your favorite of all time? Oh, you want me to take this one first? Or you want to go yeah, first? No, go ahead. Well, I'm old enough that I, I, th- I think it's got to be 93. Even though 92 was the first one that won the title, it's like that was when they were the best. And they were the best all year, even though they had a crappy stretch where they looked like they were fading. They just crushed teams over and over and over again. And they just hit so much, and it was just so much fun to watch. So 93 has got to be the answer. It's hard to argue. I will I will be the dissenter and say 92 was the best because it was you, it was totally uncharted territory. The Blue Jays had never been able to get out of a playoff series alive, and then all of a sudden they were in Atlanta, and the flag was upside down, and all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. Um, but the season itself. Yeah, it was it was all uncharted territory i i don't it was the first Man. year with alomar yeah well no it wasn't but... yeah i know second year with alomar <laughs> and carter and i i don't know anyway 92 and 93 those are our answers yep we, we're still living in the past because well way the, the far past not the recent past uh do to do, do do we, we want to give one uh one of brian's questions a swing you can pick one Oh, okay. Well, let's go with one of the fun ones. <laughs> Do you think Zeke stays up late at night playing ARMS on the Nintendo <laughs> Switch, dreaming that his arms were made with springs as well? I am not familiar with ARMS on the Nintendo Switch, but I suppose I should rapidly become so in, in case I could give some helpful advice to Mr. Ezekiel Carrera. <laughs> and we'll do the real one too. Why are we not hearing more chatter about coaching staff changes? Because usually when a team is underperforming like this, you hear it. Hey, That's man, actually a f- I've got the fire Jacoby hashtag warmed up and nobody is getting on that bandwagon. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. I thought for sure, given the hitting woes, that they would do it just to, it's like, hey, it may not help, but my God, what we've got right now isn't helping. Yeah, I, I, I phrased it. Other than to Mr. Jacoby and his family, what harm would it be to fire the, the hitting coach at this point? Just to see if yep. somebody else could do something different with these guys. Um, but hey, that's not the direction they decided to go. Uh, we may yet hear about it if this continues, I guess. So Connor's question did get me thinking before we leave the, uh, the questions topic about the greatest plays in Blue Jays history. Because we mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, we were going to offer something up to our Patreon members, weren't we? We were. We, so, so, go ahead. Uh, we were going to call one of the greatest innings, or half innings, depending on how it works out, in Blue Jays history. But we're going to need the public's help to decide on what one of those innings is going to be. Yep. So, the Twitter account, today's t- Tuesday, we're recording this Wednesday after the podcast goes out. Middle of the day, some time, we're going to put out a poll keep it open for at least a day or two and you can pick you can write in votes if you like 
you know, we are limited somewhat by the availability of <laughs> the audio and video of the, of the, of the play, but you know, we, it'll be fun. And it's only for our Patreon subscribers. So if you want to hear us attempt to see if we can actually be better than bucket pad, you know, donate and you can get the chance. And if, if, if you already are great, thank you very much. And you'll get to hear us make fools of ourselves. <laughs> yes. We will attempt to, uh, hurdle all those, uh, technical, Hmm problems with with getting audio and video we're going to do our best to come up with a great inning in in blue jays history uh for our patreon members if you're wondering it only costs as little as a dollar a month to get access to that and you can do it by going to www.patreon.com slash turf anybody can vote in the poll but only patrons will be able to hear our ridiculous audio in that we will move on to a do-over Oh my god, did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a f***ing door? We believe in second chances. Yes, do-overs. Uh, today's candidate, Logan Morrison. Logan Morrison hit a lot of home runs this year, didn't he, Josh? He did. He's second in the league at 24. Is he going to be hitting him in the home run derby, Josh? He's not. <laughs> Is he happy about that, Josh? <laughs> He's definitely not. Uh, he he was particularly unhappy about Gary Sanchez of the Yankees going, saying Gary shouldn't be there. Gary's a great player, but he shouldn't be in the home run derby. I remember when I had 14 run, home runs. That was a month and a half ago. Oh, oh. How, how quickly we forget what it's like to be a mediocre player when we're Lomo. <laughs> like half the seasons yeah. of Lomo's career, he did not exceed the 14 home run total. Yeah, I mean, and this is, does he not remember just last August when Gary Sanchez hit 20 home runs in 50 games? <laughs> yeah, like, really, the only time you're you're allowed to evaluate home run prowess is in the three, well, two and a half months preceding the All-Star game voting? <sighs> yeah, and, and by the way, the reason Gary Sanchez only has 13 home runs, and it's not 14, is he's only played 53 games. He was hurt. <laughs> so even the, the speed at which he's going, he's still a superior home run hitter. Uh God, Lomo. Lomo's always been a bit of an idiot. Even when he was back in Seattle. He was mad also that his they spelled his name wrong one time on the scoreboard. I remember that. Uh apparently when MLB puts his picture up for all star <laughs> It's Corey Dickerson. Yes, Corey Dickerson, who to be fair, looks nothing like Lomo, but maybe maybe someone actually does have a beef with him. And maybe there's a reason for that. But we are not discriminatory here. When you put your foot in your mouth, <clears throat> pardon me, put your foot in your mouth and uh, say something that's it's out of place and a little bit awkward, we're always willing to give you the opportunity to come on the show and, uh, mm -hmm. and do it over. So if you'd like to talk about how much fun the Home Run Derby can be for everyone who's lucky enough to be involved and not mention how you personally feel about who and should and shouldn't be in there, we welcome you, Logan Morrison. As usual, I, I don't expect a prompt response from him. Uh, if you tag him on Twitter, you might. He's pretty active. <laughs> no, I, I don't tag nobody on Twitter. I got blocked by Marcus Stroman. I didn't even tag him that I know about. So that that's my lesson right there. Yeah, he's a name searcher. Um, do we have time to talk about Angel Hernandez? Eh, just, we can just touch on it quickly. So Angel Hernandez has decided to sue Major League Baseball for racial discrimination, um, saying that the vast majority of 
um, assignments and promotions that have occurred have occurred with white umpires and that he, who is of Cuban descent, um, or sorry, is sorry, I believe he's actually Cuban, but um, is obviously um, Hispanic, um, is, has been looked over due to his skin color. Puts MLB in kind of an awkward spot. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I don't want to speak to the actual merits of the discrimination against Hispanic players because, sorry, umpires, because I mean, there might be some truth to it, but (laughs) one of my favorite lines is the selection of these less qualified white individuals over Hernandez was motivated by racial national origin under ethnic considerations. What less qualified umpire is there than Angel Hernandez? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. He's like, if you looked in his ribbon case, it would have all years of service ribbons and nothing else. Because Angel Hernandez, regardless of whether he's been discriminated against, is a bad umpire. Yeah. So he, when, when asked why he wasn't promoted to crew chief for the season, uh, Torrey sent a letter on March 27th saying that he needed to, quote, gain greater mastery of the official playing rules and replay con- regulations, continue to improve situation management, <coughs> and display an ability to refocus and move forward after missing calls or receiving constructive feedback from the office. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty accurate assessment of Angel Hernandez's shortfalls. Uh, yeah, no ump shows, as we say. And Angel Hernandez is, uh, other than Joe West, perhaps the remaining king of the ump show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's so many crappy plays that he has inserted himself into that it's tough to have sympathy for, for him. It, it, it is, is it discrimination if you're genuinely bad at your job and you've been passed over for a promotion, I guess is what it, what it will come right down to. And I, I don't know that I really want to be in the courtroom when, when that gets discussed, but I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about it in the future. Uh, as a result, that, I believe, means that we get to the point where I ask you for a final thought. Yeah, I think my final thought is that this All-Star break couldn't come soon enough. (laughs) This team needs some kind of hard reset. Uh, Just a few days off to clear their heads or something, because obviously nothing is going right at the moment. And as we discussed, there's no real reason for it not to be. Yeah, the, the talent didn't change that much, we don't think. But none of the talent is performing like it's talented. Uh, my final thought. Uh, this was from Twitter just this afternoon. In 1989, and that was the first year Cito Gaston managed the Blue Jays after Jimmy Williams got fired, the eventual American League East champion Blue Jays were 38-45 and 45 on July 5th. Tomorrow, the Blue Jays will enter the day with the same record. Uh, all hope is not dead. That doesn't mean anything is likely. But there's, there's your hope for the week. All right. So, uh, let's see if I can get this, this outro so that you're, you're happy with this time. <laughs> I have been <laughs> Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and our guest was Matthew Corey at MattyMatty2000, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 64. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.